Hey, welcome to another episode of the Encouragement Forward podcast. Today, I have the honor and the privilege of interviewing Miss Ashley Walls. But before we get started, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together once again to be able to deliver an encouraging story to your children, to be able to share something that you have had us to go through, Father God, so that we may be able to uplift someone else who may be going through the same process. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for bringing Ashley here to be able to interview with me on today, for her to be having the willingness to share her story with others, Father God. And Father God, we just pray you would guide this conversation. Let what you want to be heard be received, Father God. Use us, Lord, to reach out to your people to be a blessing unto them. And we thank you for all your many blessings in your daughter, son, Jesus Christ, wonderful and glorious name. And we say, amen. Amen. So let's get started with this interview now. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Ashley Wall. I am from Baltimore, Maryland. I've lived there for the majority of my life. Um, I work within social work, so I've been licensed for about four and a half years. I'm also providing transformational coaching to where I focus on the transformation and the results and outcomes as I coach you along. I also have a background in human services and psychology. My Christian faith really means a lot to me, so it's really great when I can combine those things and put them together. It really fuels my passion. Um, my main goal is just to help as many people as I possibly can while I'm on this earth. That's a that's a beautiful thing to do. Like what God has us on here while we're here to make the best use of our time. So, um, do you have do you have any children? Do you have a husband or anybody? I'm engaged, so I'm supposed to get married in May. May first coming up. <laughs> Yay! It'll be here before you know it. Yes, it will. Very exciting. I don't have any kids, but I have, you know, nieces and nephews. I'm a, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister. So those, you know, really are the roles that I occupy. And I really try to be close with my family. We're pretty tight knit. So it really helps to have that support. Oh, yes. It's always good to have a family that, you know, to be able to, to be there to support you along the way and be there to cheer you on with, your, with what you're doing, especially, you know, with being in mental health and being a social worker, and I could just imagine the different things that you're seeing and that you're going through. And then also being a transformational coach, I know that has got to be like something very big and major for people because we all need some kind of coaching. We all have something going on. So just to be in the field you're in, that's that's a blessing because it takes some strong people to be social workers. Absolutely. With the pandemic, it's even more so shown how important social workers or therapists are in just helping everybody kind of cope and get through this very difficult time. You know, we've been about a year in a pandemic and it just wears on people mentally and physically in so many different ways. So I'm just, you know, I feel like God put me in this place to do this job for a specific reason. And so I ask you, what is, um, since we were talking about this year and in the pandemic, what is one lesson that you learned last year that you don't want to bring into this year or any years going forward? I think one of the big things I learned was that my fears and anxiety limited 
my potential in some ways. And with the pandemic, you had to start doing things differently and you had to be more creative in your approach and how you dealt with things, how you cope with things, but also just how you did work. And so it took me out of my comfort zone completely. It wasn't like something I could prepare for. It just pushed me <laughs> into things that made me anxious or that were fearful and I had to face them. And so as I go into 2021, I don't want those fears or you know anxiety, limiting beliefs, any of those things to stop me from moving forward anymore. So I think that that's the big thing that I took from 2020. Yeah, that that's a um, you know, like you said, not to allow the things that control our emotions to um, affect us this year. Like not bringing it into this year and being also to recognize, and that's one thing I do know that I think when God slowed us down, He helped us to also be able to recognize the things that we need to work on in our lives, and not just, and also to see how we can be a blessing to others because it made us just stop think, reflect, and be like, okay, now what am I going to do moving forward? And also to get our attention because we were, you know, like I, I said, going so fast paced and not just taking time to enjoy the smaller things, the little things that are around us with our family, with our job, and just actually just reflecting to see who you are. Like taking the time to say like, who am I? What am I here for? What does God have me to do? And one thing I can see here is birthing like a lot of people's passions right now, like people who wouldn't really, really wanted to do anything. Now they're reaching out and they're like starting businesses, they're starting coaching, they're doing things they otherwise wouldn't have done. People have gotten more comfortable, as you said, with getting like on social media and doing things and just actually just stepping out on faith and saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let me step out there and do what you call me to do. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it becomes one of those things that when everything's so fast paced, you can't really see what's happening in your day to day as much. So that being still, it kind of makes you reevaluate. And with so much death happening, it makes you kind of look at your priorities and say, what is really important to me? And I also learned how important social interaction was. Even though we're in a pandemic, I'm being a lot more social <laughs> on a daily basis than before the pandemic, just because of connecting with people and really being vigilant about keeping those connections, saying, no, this is important for me to keep these connections with people. So that's been a, a big change for me. Yeah, I think that's also been one thing with me with um, seeing like when losing my dad at the end of last year, and even one of my friends when she recently just lost her dad to COVID, it just kind of like opened up your eyes a little bit more to see like, you know what, I wasn't taking advantage of the moments that I had or the time that we had with one another. Because, you know, you like you said, it made you actually see how being social really worked. Like we start back doing things we normally didn't do. Like some people start back sitting out mailed. Now, I mean, that's something you don't really hear that people are mailing you letters or, you know, somebody took the time to send you an email and went something short or even to have a long conversation with you. Because it used to be, you know, we have quick conversations or you send a short text and whatever, but now it's made us actually enjoy and, and realize how important family is and that togetherness and that interaction, especially like when you're in a certain situation with having those people you can reach out to to keep you encouraged to keep you going and to um, just to make it through this time. And I know a lot of changes are still coming and a lot of people are like, you know, what are we doing next? And I know a lot of places have even dropped the mass mandates and 
everything and they're opening everything back up. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are for this and there's a lot of people who are against it. But it's one to end, like you said, we have to do what what we feel is the best thing for us because only God and ourselves can look out for us as far as, you know, health-wise. Yeah. So tell me about a tough season that you have had to overcome. Well, when I was 15, I was, it was right before my 16th birthday. I became really sick. They didn't really know what was wrong. So when I went to the emergency room, they just kind of said that it was something in my mind because they couldn't figure out what was going on. So I spent the whole day in the ER. Finally, a doctor that comes on for their new shift takes a look and says, your kidney's not functioning properly. Your creatinine level is high. So from there, they sent me to Johns Hopkins they didn't really know what was going on. So they did a lot of tests, a lot of, you know, prodding, had two surgeries, and they were just really trying to figure it out. So they didn't come to a clear consensus because it wasn't lupus or it wasn't any of the other ones that they thought it was. So they kind of gave it a generic name, mixed, mixed, excuse me, mixed connective tissue disorder, which is an autoimmune disease. So basically what was happening is that my body and immune system was attacking my kidneys. So from there, there was a lot of big changes. I was in the hospital for about two weeks. I got out right before my 16th birthday and it was a lot of changes. So I had to start taking a bunch of medication. I had to start going to a bunch of doctor's appointments. And if you can think about if you were when you were 15 or 16 years old and what were the things that you were thinking about and what the things that you wanted to do that was all off the table for me because now i had to just focus on my health and getting better and focus on you know going for infusions i was missing school and i had a lot of stuff i had to make up for that so it was just a lot of pressure at that time one of the blessings that came out of that was my depression and anxiety got noticed. So before it was there, but nobody really could see it because I was good at hiding it. So once I got sick, it started to show itself even more. And my parents really didn't know what to do because there wasn't really anybody that they could go to and ask about mental health or you know learn about therapy. So they went to my um, somatic doctors at Johns Hopkins and they said, we can refer her to Kennedy Krieger. We'll get her therapy. She's gone through a lot, a lot of changes we think would be helpful. And that was such a huge impact. It made such a difference. And that was a point where I had to learn what is it that I'm dealing with. I had to become more self-aware because before that, I didn't know why I was thinking negative thoughts. I didn't know why I was sad all the time. I didn't know why I was having problems sleeping. I just didn't know what was the cause of those symptoms. When I look back on it, the anxiety was just always there. It was just always something that people saw as little quirks about me or that I just did things differently, you know? So if I was nervous about, you know, something and I couldn't sleep, my parents would just tell me to turn on the TV. And that was the remedy 
for it, but really it was unaddressed anxiety that whole entire time. So as I started to learn about myself, started to learn about what I was experiencing, then I only at that point could I do something with it. Before then, there was nothing that I could do with it. So I started to learn coping skills of how to love and accept myself, how to set boundaries, you know, trying to move past my limiting beliefs, and even just the pressure. I grew up in a Christian household, and there was a certain expectation for you as a child growing up in a Christian household. And there was a certain pressure there. And then as you got older, the pressure was still there to maintain that. And my parents had three girls. So it was even more so because we were all girls and the expectation for men is different than women. So that was all infused in my depression and the negative thoughts and anxiety as well as what if I let someone down, you know, what if I do this and what would people think? And I started to focus so much on what other people were thinking that it just wasn't having me in a happy space. So I went back to therapy and continued to work. I stopped again and then I started again and I've been in therapy since. And sometimes people wonder, how can a therapist be in therapy? You really need it because you're dealing with a lot of people's problems and baggage. And if you're not dealing with your stuff, then you could do more harm than good. So I encourage people, especially if they're clinicians and they're having a rough time, go talk to a therapist because you're gonna need that outlet. We can't always talk to everyone else and they can understand, you know, a frustrating day. They'll say, you know, you pick the job. It comes with the territory. It's a stressful job. But you have to have an outlet to just be able to release it and then say, okay, what am I gonna do with this? So it's definitely been a journey. It's an up and down with both my health and my mental health. But it's a process that made me take better of myself. And because I was in social work and doing therapy, I had to do self-care. So it really pushed me to apply what I preach to my clients and apply it to my own life. And then it's opened the door for me to help other people with their mental health. And because I've been on the side of a client, I have a certain compassion and empathy for them because I know what it's like to be on the other side of it. So I try to use that to really, really help me help other people and say, you know, hey, I went through this. I had depression, I had anxiety. At one point it was stopping me from doing these things, but look at where I'm at now. You can do the same thing. Taking away that stigma that once you have mental health, that's it. You just have a disability and you can't do anything else with it. So it really pushed me to try to help other people see this is just something that you're dealing with, but this doesn't have to dictate the rest of your life. While you're um, listening to your story, kind of made me see a little bit about um, a little bit about myself, instance. And the reason I say that because it's totally relatable with the fact that having an autoimmune disease, I'm still battling an autoimmune disease. But to hear like you had something that they like, what is this? I don't even know what this is, you know, something uncommon. 
And then, you know, you're still going through all that you're going through. I know, and I, I guess it's just something that may be a little bit common in, especially I know in different communities where you're a teenager and you're going through stuff people don't know. And then people feel like, because you're a teenager, you like, what do you have to be, you know, worried about? But it could be just something, I guess, the way that we're wired. Cause I do hear very common in women that we all are suffering from some kind of mental health something is going on and most of us are anxious that's the main common thing I keep hearing about anxiety or being anxious but one of the things even in society is women are held up here at a higher standard to do so many different things to be a certain way and even guys they suffer from it too but it's one of those that it seems like with the women it's like we're trying to live up to the standard do this don't do that and especially when you made that statement about you know I lived in but I say I live in two separate worlds. And the reason I say that because my dad was a minister and my stepmom was a minister. My little brother now is a minister. But growing up in that Christian house, when I went there on those weekends, I lived a certain way. I couldn't watch certain things. I couldn't do certain things. But then when I go back home with my mom, I could watch certain shows. I could do certain things. And it was just like, you would feel like a tug of war. Like, well, what do I do? Which way to go? And then the whole part when you said about living up to somebody's standards, my fear was, but my brother told me one time, he was like, don't be like us. And the reason he, what he said and meant by that is most of them had children outside of marriage. And he was like, don't be like us. So I always put this uh, pressure on myself to be like, if I mess up, they're going to, I'm going to disappoint him. Like you said, messing up, don't want to disappoint somebody. And that was one of the things it was like, well, if I do this and this happens, oh, my dad's going to look at me so bad and my stepmom. And then I was like, my, you know, my brother, I'm going to let him down and, you know, and whatnot. And so it was like this whole thing about, and then when it came time when you're married and you're like, okay, I don't have these boundaries anymore. It was hard at first to let that go because you just grew up with this. You're not supposed to don't do that. Don't do that. You're not supposed to do this. Now, even though, yes, I was still being worldly, but at the same time, when I got, before I got married, my relationship with God was a lot different and it was closer. So it was like, okay, I got these boundaries. We're not going to do this. Not going to do that. Wait till, but then it's like being married. It's like, well, I don't know how to let my guard down and be like, okay, I'm married now. It's okay. But then I hear it's a common thing. Like you said, I can just imagine when being in a household with girls, I only had I, when all of us in all this five of us including myself and well six counting my little brother but we all were in the same household only two of us had the same mom and dad so my brother is seven years older than me and myself so if he did stuff of course he was being a boy I'm seeing all stuff he's doing being younger thing like oh okay but then it comes <laughs> to me like no you can't do this you can't go there you can't do that and I mean I did get some freedoms but it is like you say like this whole pressure of like even now my walk is different, but people are looking at me like if I mess up, ooh, you did, or ooh, you know, and it's like, no, you know, we all, none of us are perfect. The only perfect person that is, is God. I mean, you know, his son, Jesus, was the only perfect person. So it's like, it is a lot of pressure. And even with the mental health, like you said, going through depression, and I can only imagine it being amplified, you know, with you when you're also having to deal with something else. And normally that's what is happening. You're dealing with something else. Something else is pushing it. Like even some people say I should be doing counseling and part of me, even I told my counselor, like, how am I counsel somebody and I'm coming to see you? Like, I don't have it all together. Like, how am I going to do this? So when you said that, I was like, okay, she, she kind of telling me something and I'm like, I don't know. I want to do coaching, but I don't know about 
if I want to go back to school for a whole nother degree, like I'm like, I don't know. I thought I had it has been an engine lately, and I'm thinking about looking at PhD programs, but I'm like, no, nah, not yet. I'm not ready yet. I'd rather coach and go from there and then see what happens. I don't know if I want to go back to school and get in more student loan debt. So <laughs> but I do really admire you though. I do admire like what you're doing and it it does make a difference because you you're on both sides. It makes a difference when you're going through it and you can see it and say, hey, this is how I came through it. And I know you can do it too. Like, look at me. Like, I still don't have it all together, but I can still give you tips to tell you how to help you. And that's one of the things that I, you know, just hearing your story, I really do admire that, that, you know, yeah, you're like, no, I'm not perfect. I still have stuff going on myself, but I do have the skills and the tools to help you to get to the point too. And it's okay that I go to therapy and you come to me and I'm helping you too, because, you know, like I said, to be a social worker, that takes a special person. Not everybody can do that because you have to be prepared, like you said, for what you're going to encounter, depending on, I guess, what area you're doing social work in too. But I can only imagine, you know, like the situation you're seeing and the things that, you know, you're going through. So I commend you on that. And, you know, God, God is doing so with you and he's going to keep on doing it. So yeah, the good thing about coaching, though, is you can use some of the same skills that you would in counseling. So, you know, think about it like that. If you want to do the coaching, you can still use some of those skills from counseling and just put it into your coaching. So that's, you know, the great thing about coaching. Sometimes it'll let you be a little more hands-on or active when you're working with the client versus therapy where you may see some or talk with someone, you know, maybe a week, every week or every two weeks or every month you're really not there during the time where they're implementing those tools and skills, but with coaching, you are. So it's just something to think about if you're considering. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, I, I've been researching it and I've been looking up different things and I keep seeing people like getting a certificate and then I keep seeing how people just start one and then you have people like you're supposed to charge this much and you're supposed, it's just so many different things that's you know when I get ready and be like oh yeah I really want to do that sometime this year and then it's like well what kind of coaching you trying to do and what you want to do and you know and then people like you should have this set nobody should basically like everybody it's supposed to be this strategy where everybody's doing the same thing and you like you come up with your own curriculum and everybody's supposed to be going through but I know with me I'm going to be one of those people that's want to be like okay what are you going through right now let's address that and work through that. I, it's one of those, I'm not one of those, I guess, say the norm that likes to have a set um, curriculum thing. And I know that would be probably something that could be overwhelming, but then I also have to be like, okay, well, how many people would I be willing to accept to do a program? And like, how long would I do it? And, you know, in the time period and things like that. So I know everybody's different in how you do things. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's the right way and what's the wrong way. So <laughs> now I know you're a coach and I can be like, okay, so give me support on what to do. So absolutely. <laughs> I, like I'm excited about it and I do want to coach because I do love talking to people and I love doing this. And this is something like I told you earlier, I was like, why am I so nervous? And I'm excited at the same time, but it was like, okay, I'm about to interview her. I don't, I've never met her. So, um, but at the same time, it's like, it's just the excitement and I'm thankful for it. What the platform that God has given me to do this. I get to meet new people. I get to talk to people. I get to hear y'all's story. Like I said, it's encouraging me too along the way. So, and I have to do the same thing somewhat of what you're doing. When I'm listening to what y'all are saying, I have to let that not come in and consume me because I might be feeling like, oh my goodness, she's going through that. And and after that, it's more like, no, this is the interview. This is going to bless somebody. I pray about it before and after. 
And, you know, even when I'm editing, I pray in the bottom and let God lead and God's hands. So I'm just thankful for, like I said, to hear this because you're telling me stuff that I need to hear myself so that I can be like, okay, she telling me, okay, Lord, you telling her to tell me that I need to, you know, <laughs> stop, stop all procrastinating about it and just do it and see what happens. So, And what you said, you know, really resonated in terms of whose family you're in. So with my family, they were very, very into the church, but there's such an esteem for my parents that it was like the wall girls me and my sisters and so you know if someone else did something it wouldn't be as big of a deal but if the wall girls did something then it would get a lot more you know attention because you know the idea of like oh they have it all together type of thing so it was a even more of a higher expectation (laughs) placed on all of us and I was the youngest so anything before with my sisters you know that would kind of trickle down to me of don't do this or do this or we want you to be successful you know so they really pushed me to get my education but I wanted to also at the same time still have a family and have kids so that is a hard balance sometimes of figuring out what is my role in all of this you know how can I navigate all all of these different things the goals that other people you know want to push me towards but then also my goals <laughs> of what I want and how can you intertwine them and I wasn't even going to go into mental health or human services I originally wanted to go into computer science but I could not get with the geometry <laughs> in computer <laughs> science so I went to the um, guidance counselor and she was talking about things and she said what do you like to do I said, I'd like to help people I'm a good listener and she said, okay, what about human services, behavioral sciences? They have a human services, you could work with nonprofits. And that was kind of my introduction to any of the helping professions. So I got my degree in that and then did some work with, you know, different nonprofits. And then social work came and it was at the forefront. And it just kept coming at me like God just kept pushing me in the direction and I'm like I don't want to go in that direction because I'm an introvert so talking with people all day just sounds very exhausting and that's what I do <laughs> so as much as I tried to fight it God just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me and so I couldn't you know say no anymore I had to say okay I get it I'm going I'll get my master's in social work And then from there, everything just fell into place. And so it's just so interesting to see that if maybe if I didn't go through that mental health episode, I would not have been where I'm at right now. I would not be a social worker. I would not be a therapist. Who knows what I would be doing? (laughs) I wouldn't have chose therapy or social work. It wasn't my number one profession to go into. Yeah, it's kind of... Um, like you say, it's amazing how when he really wants to get your attention, he's gonna get it, whether you want it or not. And you're like, okay, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want that. And he'll show you another way, like, no, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. And even um, I can relate with careers and stuff because originally, like, I love science, I'm a science geek, mm-hmm. and I love to be in the lab. I love to do um, I'm not a person that wants to be. I guess say in the spotlight, I used to, I've always loved the medical field. I always used to say I wanted to be a general practitioner. And as I got into 
um, college things changed. I didn't even go for like pre-med. I went for um, animal science because at one time I considered being a veterinarian, but then I also like biomedical science. And so it was like, eh, when I got in there, my freshman semester, one of the professors made sure we knew there was other routes to go besides vet school. And so he started talking about being in the lab. And I have, a, ever since my granddad passed, I always wanted to do like cancer research and things like that. So it was like, before all, during that time, it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Because when I didn't do well in organic chemistry, it's like, no medical school is out of the question. I saw organic chemistry three times. I was like, nope. <laughs> and then most people were like, but no, there's people who's got this and done. And I'm like, no. So <laughs> I said, um, I like to be in the lab and behind the scenes. And I didn't still like the part about dealing with the animals and doing stuff to them. Even though I know they're the ones that's helping us right now, even to be able to have medicine and do things and so um I finished school and then even myself I sat there and I was like I wanted to take a break because I graduated high school and went straight to college I didn't take no break no summer break no nothing I took my basics that summer and it was I just want to break I just want to break but I went into a program in nutrition didn't really like that then it was like well what do I really want to do I thought about teaching I thought about nursing and I had found the program is that's where I currently have my profession in cytology and I was like okay I thought about that and then I was like well I don't know and I had reached out to the person and I probably could have got into the program but later finding out that program shut down but God came back and brought it back to me again like hey look at this so I found the master's program in it and now I'm doing I'm working in the lab behind the scenes I don't care about being out in the open about it I just want to help people in whatever way and that's what I'm doing I'm seeing I'm dealing with cancer it was like my foot my my stepping um, stone to see you know cancer research and it's like I don't and learning more about it I was like I don't want to just be up doing long um you know long research hours and stuff like that and I'm like I'm okay with that now I'm seeing more and more after talking to people and stuff like okay you supposed to be in some way you talking and doing because even my stepmom used to tell me she was like you got too much personality to be behind four walls but I, I'm okay with that but I got another way now to still showcase that personality as well as do what I love doing behind the scenes so I'm thankful for you know that and that's why it's like it resonate with you when you're like I want to do this I want to do that I love computers but I haven't decided to go get a career in computers so um but it is one of those when he really has something for you he will get your attention he will show it to you in many ways and you might not see it the first time, but he'll be like, okay, I got something else I'm going to show you. And then he'll show you us again. And then now it, it, the joy that you have and what you're doing, you know, you're able to do many, have many different platforms with working with them and with your coaching. And, you know, I, I always laugh because a lot of people I meet say they're introverts and I'm like, I am not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I like, it is so funny because most of y'all that say that, have platforms where you're talking all the time and I'm like well how are they doing this and they're an introvert because I guess my thought of introvert just like I'm shy don't be around me don't you know you know yeah. like quiet and things like that but here it is you know you're talking to people every day you're coaching so it just always gets me because even one of the ladies I follow um on Instagram on um, Stephanie Rodney she says she's an introvert but she's always doing she's doing classes and courses all the time and live things and it's like well hold on but you're talking all the time so I just it just got I find that interesting sometimes yeah no absolutely it is interesting and being able to navigate things as an introvert because when I was younger it was just seen as such a negative thing 
but really learning what is an introvert and knowing that that just means sometimes I need my alone time, maybe more than somebody that's an extrovert, but I'm still capable and I can still do these things. And sometimes my anxiety was related to that of kind of being on the spot or talking in front of people or any kind of performance type of things would bring such anxiety. And I've just learned how to cope with it, how to keep pushing myself so it doesn't stop me and how to keep moving forward with it. So it's not easy by any means, but it's not impossible. I think it helps, like I said, as more I've learned about my own depression and anxiety, that knowledge I can share with other people even like family or friends of saying, you know, hey, this is the benefit of therapy. I go, and this is how it's been helpful for me. And I've actually seen some people take that step, whereas I don't know if they would have taken that step if I hadn't said that, oh, this is what was helpful. This is why you should look into doing it. So it makes a big difference when you know about yourself and you can take something like that and share it with the rest of the world. I yeah. think that was the biggest thing. Yeah, mental health is definitely important. So what question I have for you, what is your favorite go-to quote or saying? I have two, actually. They're, they're short. Okay. One that I always tell a lot of my clients is every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. So just looking and seeing what are the good moments, not throwing the whole day away is bad. And then the other one is life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. So I love that analogy because I used to dance. And so it really is, you have to learn <laughs> how to dance even in the hard times and to keep going. The storm, if you wait for it to pass, you're not gonna do much. You could be real stagnant during that time. And God could be using that storm to push you into what you need to be. So he took my situation of being sick, but the outcome of it was better for me than if I had never gotten sick. If I didn't get sick, everybody would have maybe thought she's fine. You know, my grades were good. There was nothing that would bring attention and say she's depressed or anxious. And that situation got me the help that I needed for my mental health. So when I look at it like that, I say, wow, what a blessing. Because who knows what I've, what, where I would have been or what I would have been doing had I not gotten sick and not gotten any help from my depression and anxiety. So I, I love those quotes. Yeah, those, I, I, I like them too. I said, when you were listening about the dancing through the storm and, you know, because we all go through a storm, it's just a matter of how we're going to, what we're going to do during that storm and, um, you know, how we going to come out on the other end. You know, in the end, you're going to be victorious, but at the same time going through it, you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. I don't like this. This is, you know, this is painful, but it's part of one of the things that, you know, God has us to go through so that we can have that blessing on the other side to be able to, like you say, bless somebody else. So, yeah. You can't oh. see it right then and there. 
Yeah, in in the middle of it, like I don't want this. I don't like it. In the middle of it, you can't you can't quite see it. You're like I don't know how this is gonna work out, but that's where faith comes in because at some point you will look back and say, you know what? Yeah, he was working in that. He he was with me, and you can kind of see how it's all connected. But when you're right in the middle of it, I tell people you're not you're probably not gonna see it. Maybe, but probably not. So you just have to hang on and keep going. Yeah, he do. So who is one person that inspires you? I would say my grandmother, Ada Bernice Wall. She um, passed away when I was in fourth grade, but she was just really a wonderful woman. You know, everyone loved her and she was just so nurturing. So I think some of me wanting to help people was related to how she influenced me, even that short time that she was in my life, you know, she would give the shirt off her back. She was that type of person. She cared for people, you know, she was nice, but she, she wasn't afraid to voice her opinion. <laughs> she really needed to. So in some ways she was also stern and, you know, she raised really great kids, you know, my aunts and my father. And I just saw like the love that was there. So that was a really, really big influence on me. And I don't think I knew that at the time, how much of an influence it had until I got older. Yeah, isn't it? It's amazing how sometimes you, the people that do influence you, even they, they don't know it, even when you're young, you're watching and seeing what they're going through and how their, um, their strength and then it's like just amazing, like grandparents, you know, they're they're good, good people to see, especially during the time and era that they've grown up in and to know how they had to learn how to be strong and how to, you know, go through different things. And, you know, a grandma, like my grandma, she was a um, she was real good. She was real known in our little small town. <laughs> so everybody knew her because she taught head start. They were like, yeah, we know your grandma. We love this or that. But I still understand by, you know, the inspiration of a grandma and, the, you know, a grandparent and just seeing what they're going through. Like I said, I tell people all the time, a lot of them had to live through some tough times and just to see their strength and to see like, well, if they went through all of this, then, you know, I can do this too. So that that's good about your, um, about your grandma. So um, I was going to ask you, what is um, one thing that has kept you going besides your faith? I would say overall, just my relationship with God. So it's been in different places, but it's been growing. And during the times where I was dealing with the depression and anxiety, the heaviest, and even like points of like, I don't want to live anymore this is it. I'm going to end this. But he always was there with me through all of it. And a lot of times when I needed to cry out, the only person I could do that to was him. So prayer became a real way for me to release my emotions. And it gave me that comfort. And it was great that I could be vulnerable with God and not have any judgment he would just listen and I could just feel the presence of him with me in those moments of, you know, it's going to be okay. This is not the end. This is not what I have planned for you. So that really motivated and kept me going. Cause even when I wasn't thinking about God, yeah, 
he was still always showing me ways that he was there, you know, either through just other people, things, songs that I would hear, sermons. It just always seemed like when I needed something right at that time, there would be something that would happen that would let me know, yeah, he's still here. He's still with you. So it allowed me to hold on to that faith because I don't think if I had that, that I would have held on. So um, do you have any, um, a question you wanna ask me? What do you think was most helpful in your mental health journey? For me, it was one, um, a lot of a series of events happened and just finally accepting the fact like, hey, I need help. I have things going on. Cause even when I was in um, high school, I was kind of like you, a straight A student, had the good grades, you know, cool people. Nobody never would know anything was going on with me unless I told you. And it was, you know, going through depression and then going through things happening in my childhood. And um, it was that one thing that um, pushed me was that I realized I need some help because it would be up and down roller coasters sometimes over many years, even through adulthood. And so it was like when I, um, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago, it was like, you know what, when I was found out I'm about to have my daughter and it's like, I got to do something because I don't want to not be well enough for her to be able to do what I need to do for her. So I reached out to our counseling department at um, my job and also my husband pushed it too to say like, hey, you know, it's not, you know, go get checked out. And ever since I've been going, it's been a blessing. I'm always like, y'all need to go to therapy. Even when they had mental health awareness, um, I think last year or something, I came out and told people like, I suffer with depression. I suffer with anxiety. Like I would get anxious over different things and therapy has helped me find my voice. I mean, I still have sometimes anxious will creep in, but not nearly as bad as it used to. I still have those thoughts in my head about as my husband, he laughs at me because he says, I be thinking the worst about stuff to happen. He was like, you, you really can't, like if my child almost be about to fall. I said, stop while you bust your head open. He was like, really, really? We can't just go till she get a little bump on the head. Like, cause I'd be like, we have to go to the hospital and all like this. And he just cracks up laughing at me cause I go to the extremes. But that's how my mind is working. I'm thinking the way worse and not the little bit that could happen. So one of the things, like I said, I love going to counseling. I love being able to talk to my counselor cause even like um, she's been very, you know, encouraging. I can just sit there and talk to somebody and not worry about them judging me. Even if they are, I won't know. I'm the main one that's getting everything out that's going on with me. And especially like going through all the stuff I've gone through with my husband, having his stroke last year. And then now we're moving forward with other things that are going on and it's stirring up old emotions and stuff that come out. And it's it's because I'm like starting to worry, like what is going to happen? What are we going to do? And things like that. But it's one of those things that also I can talk about God freely too. But it was just the fact of me recognizing, like, I need to do something. I need to let go of some of these things. Yes, I went through a uh, Freedom Small Group, let stuff go, but then I still had stuff there. And it's like, no, I need to see somebody. Even I told my counselor recently, like, I was like, do I need to go see somebody? Like, not like saying she wasn't good enough, but like, (laughs) do I need to go see a psychiatrist and stuff because of things I was having? She gave me an activity to do. And I still, I ha- I'm not going to lie, I hadn't been doing what I need to do because God even <laughs> told me to do something else I haven't been doing. And um, I'm supposed to be writing an emotions journal that I want to actually put on the market and I have not done that. And yeah. so that, and he kept pushing it and pushing it and finally it's kind of got quiet, but I know it's going to come back again. 
And it's like, even I told her about it, but it's one of those things that kind of goes with an activity. She also gave me to say, like, track your emotions to see and if it's escalated or even find out what is causing that emotion to happen and what or what brought that emotion out and how to, you know, approach it. And, and that's one of the things I guess I just enjoy being able to freely get stuff off and be able to talk about stuff. And I have somebody I can talk to that I don't have to worry about them running off telling people like oh she got this going on and she got that going on and all like that even not saying I care because I mean if you ask me stuff I, I'll tell you part. <laughs> but it's one of those I've gotten to the point like this is who I am we all have a past we've all been through things and one of the things is just being able to talk about it freely like I said in the African-American community we don't really talk about mental health you know mental health and things like that you hear about something happening to somebody and they're like oh okay they probably was this and they probably was that but nobody really gets down to the deep rooted issues because we don't talk about it we don't talk about the things that's going on and opening up that door where you could come in because it's so many different stigmas against mental health and things like that but now even with COVID it's bringing it out more where people are advocating for it more people are saying no check out your mental health talk to somebody people are they're encouraging you finding somebody that you can open up to and talk about things because, you know, there's a lot of family secrets out there people can't talk about. There's a lot of things that happen to people in their past that they, you know, they have held in and then it creates more emotion. So I would just say something just clicked in there that said, hey, you need to do something about this. And just taking that step is not saying like knowing you need to, but just saying, you know what, I really got a problem and I need to get some help. And that's what uh, made me want to do it. And, and like I said, I go next week <laughs> to talk to my counselor. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And I know I told her about the podcast and I'm doing it. She was so excited for me. She was like, yeah. And even she like you pushing me like, you can do coaching, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. We're going to see about that. <laughs> so, but I would have to say, counsel my um, just being like, as you say, coming self-aware. That's one of the things people have to actually see. Like, I really have a problem. And I guess it makes you think about when people go through something, you go through that denial and be like, oh, I can just, you know, get over this and keep going. But then when things keep coming back up, it's like, no, you need to do something to get through the hurt, to get through the depression, to get through the pain and actually find the source of where it all began. Yeah. Sometimes you think you've dealt with everything. I returned to therapy because I realized you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a continual process. So it's not so much the destination, it's the journey of just living life that I think is more important. And it keeps you in a certain perspective when it comes to mental health. So that way you're not just worried about, oh, I'm not at my destination. So then that just makes you kind of have an unhealthy perspective of what therapy is. And it doesn't really allow you to be present in the moment of, okay, this is what's happening with me right now. These are, this is what I have to learn in order to get to this place. And I think with COVID, there's been so many people that are experiencing anxiety and depression to the magnitude that they've had for the first time that it's freaking you know them out and a lot of my clients have said I hope people have more empathy for what I go through without COVID <laughs> because it's some of the same things that people are going through now with the stress added stresses that have been happening so I think as we shift out of COVID-19 era 
that you're going to see a lot more emphasis on mental health because people realize just how important and how much affected it can be. I don't think we can go back, but we also very much dealing with stigma, like you said, in the African-American community. Like I said, when I was into therapy, I was the only black person I knew that was in therapy. So there was really no one I could go to and say, hey, what's therapy like? What should I expect? I just had to find out when I went there. And also just the stigma of mental health in the Christian community of, you know, that you don't have enough faith, you just need to pray more. You know, some of the very cliche type of statements that you hear that if you have depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or any other mental health condition, bipolar disorder, then that means something about your faith. And there's something that you're not doing with God mm -hmm. that is the outcome of why you're thinking or feeling that way. And it really discourages people from getting treatment. It discourages people from even expressing that I'm having a hard time. So if anything, it doesn't help us. It just keeps us in this position of, you know, I need to pray harder and this will go away. In some cases that might work, but in other cases that may not be what you need. Prayer can help, but God gave us therapists for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're there for a reason. You know, there's tools that God give us for a reason. He's giving us more knowledge about brain development for a reason. If he didn't want us to know, we wouldn't know it. So as we learn more about in the biological connections with mental health. So I've learned a lot more about brain development and what happens when you're anxious. So what triggers off what when you're having anxiety? And I think that sometimes that helps people know, okay, this is what's happening in my brain. So this is what I need to do in order for my brain to get back to another place mm -hmm. or a different place. So making those connections between what's biologically going on and what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Because it's all tied together. Can't take it apart. So I think sometimes that also helps people look at mental health not so much from a stigmatizing of this is something that you did. Mm -hmm. You know, your disorder is something that you did and separating it from what you think of the person. So I think a lot of times people just kind of say a depressed person and all the characteristics, they just put that on them as their personality. Or a very common statement I hear is with people that are diagnosed with bipolar disorder. If they get upset, they get mad, show any kind of indication of I'm upset, I'm angry. People will say, did you take your medicine? Mm -hmm. And this person could get angry like everybody else. Yeah. Why can't they? You know, the medication, if it's numbed you out like that, where you have no feeling of emotions, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, that's not what we want. And situations where people rightfully should be angry. So there's like a lot of invalidation in even within somebody getting treatment of like the just stereotypes that come with it and that aspect of that stigma. So it's pretty complicated yeah. <laughs> all around. But I know for a while I didn't talk about the depression and anxiety with really any family members or church members 
it just wasn't something, there wasn't a space for it to come up and to really be discussed. So a lot of times if I was suffering, it would be like in silence or maybe I would talk to, you know, my immediate family, but even then I would only tell them so much. So that's where therapy was helpful because then I had another place that I could talk about that because I couldn't talk about it in the other spaces that I was occupying when I really should be able to talk about it in all of my spaces. But it's a challenge. It really is. Yeah, it is. um, When you're saying like, even with your family, like when you do tell them that you have things going on, they start asking these questions like, well, what happened? Did I do something? And did I cause this? Is why are you feeling like this? And you, sometimes you just can't answer certain questions because it's like, then it's going to start a whole nother roller coaster of other things. And it's like, okay, now you're start, then it's going to make it worse. But then you're going to be like, why did I even say something? I should have just kept it quiet. I shouldn't even said anything because now y'all are going to be like, oh, something's wrong with it. She's crazy and all like this. And then, yeah. So it's like, uh, that's okay. You know, um, but that's one thing I said, like, and and that's one thing I think some of us are seeing and doing now is like, no, we have to have those doors open because there's so much going on that people aren't talking about. And then you ask when they're gone, you ask those questions like, what did I miss? What happened? Why didn't I see this? Why didn't I know this? You know, and even when you talk about bipolar disorder, I'm learning a little bit more about that because I know somebody that has it. And um, just, you know, I've heard the things even when, um, I'm not gonna lie, yesterday when somebody told me about they were having something, I did make sure like, cause she told me herself, if I don't take my meds, then I have this going on. So I did ask her like, hey, did you take your meds? She was like, yeah, I took them. She was like, but something more is going on. And so I was able to say like, hey, you may need to go see a psychiatrist and see somebody else, you know, to, um, to help you. But it wasn't so much like, okay. But I just remember she told me she was real mean to her husband one day and she realized what happened. She had taken out of her meds. And that just means she knew she was off. And being off don't necessarily mean like you all, you know, like going away. It's just saying like my body's not in this natural state where I need to be at this moment so that I could be a good person for you so that I don't lash out on you or don't do anything. And and I know I've heard different things, you know, like you say, you hear about mental health and people like, oh, they crazy or oh, that mama was crazy and their daddy or somebody was this and that. And then it's, but I also hear the part that people don't talk about the things that are happening, even in the Christian communities and other people just don't talk about it, kind of brush it under the rug, like, oh, no, 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 they, they, you know, they were just having a hard time, like you say, pray about it, and like you say, as a Christian, they're like, well, your faith is not, where's your faith, I've had that asked to me before, like, oh, where is your faith, like, where, why are you feeling, you know, like, where you supposed, and I'm like, no, 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 it's there, but this is what I'm going through right now, like, I need, you know, I'm be like crying out to God, too, like, God, please help me, but at the same time, I need somebody that I can also just talk to and they can be relatable and understand and give me tips on what to do or how to go next about Like you said, God put you here for a reason. He gave, you know, just like with doctors, all of us are here for a reason. You know, people in the lab, yes, God can heal in many different ways, but God also gave us the mindset to be these professions so that we can help other people to go out and to do other things. So I, I, I really believe in that. And I, I've been told many times, I don't know how to separate my, when things are said to me, like I can't separate the science from the spiritual. And I'm like, no, it's not that. I may not be on the same level as you, but it's one of those, this is what is happening. And I understand the power and healing. I understand what God can do, but I also do understand, like you said, we all have something going on with us or people have been trauma, had trauma from 
many years that they care with them and it's like no open up talk about it see a therapist get some help because until you get help it's going to continue to consume you and take over you so I'm like like I said I, I love y'all the counselors I love the social workers and all that y'all are doing especially the one that really loves their job and doing what they're doing because there's some out there that's just like okay I'm just here and I just want to do it and I've heard some sides of that just being on people with the foster system side but I understand there's different realms of what's going on we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes either but I'm like I doubt (laughs) yeah but um so what is one takeaway that you have for everybody my takeaway would be that storms are not always going to last so there's it's going to be sunshine again and then also just for people to know that there is help and sometimes you have to reach out for it. You know, you want sometimes people to notice and and say, hey, what's going on? But that may not always happen. So sometimes you kind of have to be the one to say, you know, I need help and to reach out and take that step out, that first step. And so, um, Ashley, we thank you for taking this time out to do this interview. I know this interview is going to bless people that are listening to it. And y'all, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go to counselor. Don't ever forget that. Like, it's nothing wrong with it. You're still, you're, you're still you. You're not a different person. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you in that sense of, oh, she's crazy. No, you may just need some help. So reach out for help. Talk about it with somebody. Let somebody know. Don't let it get to that point where like okay nobody is understanding and nobody is listening so also make sure i'm going to leave ashley's information down below in the in the show notes and also in the episode make sure you follow her on social media and i'm quite sure if you need to reach out to her she'll be willing to give you some advice on things that you can do or tips to find out she is a transformation coach we do thank her for her time make sure you follow her and always remember encouragement forward see you next time